Your stomach is grumbling. You can't tell if, if it's from hunger or from stress. You've also been in a slump lately, and your body is telling you that it's time to get things sorted out. Your doctor just told you that you have an unhealthy gut lining due to lack of fiber and not getting enough water. They said it's because you're not eating right, not exercising enough. Typical lifestyle culprits, right? But a healthy gut doesn't seem like something so simple can make such a difference for someone as busy as yourself. Does this sound familiar? If you're wondering about what gut health supplement might be right for you, we're going to talk about some of the most evidence-based supplements today. We have Brian Coppin, who is the Business Development Director for Mentira Health, which is a premier raw material manufacturer for medical foods, which are prescription and also in the nutraceutical industry. So for example, one raw material called the Immunolin has over 45 human clinical trials. If you know anything about the supplement industry, 45 human clinical trials is the most by any stretch of the imagination for the amount of studies behind one product. So this episode is really eye-opening for the amount of studies, amount of research that Interior Health is doing. If you're interested in the research behind the supplements you're taking, this episode is for you. And as always, we'll see you in the next episode. Welcome to the Fredrickson Health Show, highlighting expert practitioners from health, fitness, injury prevention, functional medicine, and integrative medicine. If you are into upgrading and optimizing your health, this podcast is for you. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here is your host, Dr. Robert Fredrickson. All right, guys, Dr. Robert Fredrickson here with the Fredrickson Health Show, episode number 21. Today, we're talking all about gut health. We have the Director of Business Development from Intera Health. His name is Brian Kaufman. I'm going to read his introduction so you guys can get to understand the man that you're getting to listen to today. So Brian Coffin is Director of Business Development for Intera Health, a medical nutrition company focused on utilizing serum antibodies to support health through the development of medical foods and dietary supplement products, especially focused in digestive health, immune health, immune support, and also sports nutrition. Uh, Brian is a military veteran and a former nurse. Brian has over a decade of experience in direct patient care and also medical consulting, where his primary focus has always been on digestive health and infectious disease. When he's not formulating new products with his team at Inter Health, Brian spends his free time playing rugby for the Des Moines Rugby Club and hanging out with his wife and his two children in Iowa. Brian, thank you so much for coming on today, man. It's, I'm super excited to talk with you. Me too, man. Thank you for, uh, for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is a great topic here. Yes, it is, and uh, we, it's a funny story. We we actually met at the uh, at a gym. We were lifting weights together in um in Florida at the uh, A4M conference, and uh, I don't remember how the conversation started, but uh, I think you were talking about immunoglobulins, and I was talking about immunoglobulins, or or <laughs> I don't. We were both trying to catch a good workout after staying up late doing consulting and being a part of the show and everything like that, and uh, kind of looked across, and you were pulling some big weight, and I said, "Well, let's talk about recovery." <laughs> oh man yeah it's just you never know who you're going to meet at these conferences i'm so glad i met you in that weight room and so great conversation i'm glad it led to a podcast today so uh, we're going to talk all about gut health we're going to talk all about supplements but man i always tell clinicians this like the most evidence-based product is a product that i recommend called SPF protect which is a serum-based immunoglobulin with over 45 human clinical trials and in the supplement industry, it's, you know, it's a rarity 
to get, you know, one or two uh, clinical trials on the product itself, but 45, that's unheard of. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of companies, you know, that sell supplements or sell products or something like that, they're really marketing companies that just happen to sell a product. We are a microbiome research fo focused company that just happens to manufacture and sell a raw ingredient that does amazing stuff in the gut and then outside that after. Yes, yes. And I can't wait to, to dive into this because it's also a medical food. So it's not just a supplement. It's in two different kind of categories. Um, can you explain the differences in a medical food versus a supplement and how we're so lucky to have a medical food in a supplement? Because that's, that, that's a real rarity in my opinion. Yeah. And what's funny is it's actually pretty common that people know about medical foods, but don't know they are medical foods. Ah, right? okay. So yes. We've got three major classifications of the types of products that we consume. Uh, the first being dietary supplements for healthy populations right? Then you've got drugs, which are for unhealthy populations. And obviously they go through uh, phase one, two, three, four trials, safety, you know, the whole gamut, right? And then somewhere in the middle, you have this thing called medical foods. Now, medical foods are highly studied, yet they're mostly for chronic diseases and states. Um, however, they're the gold standard for safety. They don't go through phase one and two trials, like I said, because they're as safe as food that you buy from the store. Got it. Uh, you're familiar with things like uh, Embril or uh, VSL number three. Yeah, yeah. Also things like Glucerna or different tube feedings or, uh, you know, things like that that you receive in the hospital. All of those are very, very efficacious and have lots of great science behind them, but they don't necessarily go through all of the safety trials because they're already deemed as very, very safe. That's Got where it. our raw ingredient at five grams is a medical food called Enterogam for the dietary management of IBS, IBD, as well as HIV enteropathy. Yes, yes. And Enterogam is um, a great product. And is it so, rec I mean, I used to obviously say like, hey, Enterogam is a great product if it's covered by insurance, but I, from what I understand, it's not covered as much. Is that still true, Brian? Absolutely right. Actually, only about one to 5% of most insurance holders actually have coverage for medical foods. Um, so we actually, we don't take insurance for that product anymore. Um, we give it to everyone for a manufactured cost of $99 a product. When we were taking insurance for that, uh, you, your big box pharmacies were charging three, four, five hundred $500 a box for a month supply of that product. And we're a family owned company here in Iowa and we just couldn't stand by that. So we just went ahead and took the insurance uh, part out of it and just offer a cash price for that. Product. Wow. Okay. That's cool that you guys did that. I didn't know that. So, but yeah, it used to be like super expensive for a lot of patients. So it was kind of hard to get for Sounds a lot better. of, and uh, I know gastroenterologists were really liking Interrogam. And so if they knew that there's other options with the same raw material from, from Intera Health, right. They're like, Oh, I, I can jump behind that. So right. kind of a cool story. So, so Brian, um, how did you get into this world of nutrition? Oh man. Uh, you know, honestly, it started when I was super young, man. Yeah, T uh, tell me about it. You remember Stallone Sundays on TBS when they would show like all the Rockies or all the Van Dams and stuff? Yeah. Like movies. I was infatuated with that stuff. Doing push-ups in the middle. I tried to drink a raw egg when I was like eight years old, and my mom <laughs> caught me. Right, and she's so mad at me, but she didn't really know what to do because who eats raw eggs, right? Right. <laughs> uh, from there, uh, I got heavily into sports as a young guy. So I was really, really into working out. And I remember cutting grass, you know, during the summer before eighth grade football. So I could buy phosphagen. The EAS produced first creatine product, right? Really? 
So okay. I was always into total human optimization. Anything that I could do to make my body work better, work faster, work more efficient to be the best athlete and be the best version of me, I was always into that. But I didn't really know the why, right? And then when I was in high school, I read a book uh, called Eat to Win. Yes, heard of that book, yeah. Really, yeah, Dr. Haas. And that was a big, big influence uh, from there to start eating right, uh, training correctly, putting the right nutrients and micronutrients into my body to get the best out of me. And then from there in the military, um, you know, high stress days, long days, you know, that really, really got me start to finally dig in to the actual nutritional aspect uh, rather than just overtraining a bad diet. Sure, yeah. yeah. That's uh, awesome. I was the guy that, you know, that, that picked up the flex and the muscle mags. And, and then from there started picking up medical, uh, you know, med school books and stuff like that from little, uh, uh, from little bookstores that they were getting rid of and things like that. So I've always been interested in, in optimizing the human body and really getting the best out of yourself. Yes. We, we actually have a really similar uh, background and what I mean by that is this, is I used to mow grass for supplements for a smoothie owner. Uh, he, he owned a, I don't know if it was a chain back then, but me and my roommate in college, we literally cut his grass for free just so we could get free smoothies and free supplements. Like who does that? Seriously. Like, like yeah, so we did that, but I've always, you know, been like you and reading all the bodybuilding magazines, anything that was related to nutrition or health. And a lot of it was not right. Not a lot of it was garbage, but then you get to this field, which is very evidence-based, very scientifical. And I'm just as, you know, enthusiastic and just as obsessed and passionate about it as it was back then. But my, you know, my priorities, my goals have kind of shifted as I've gotten older, but like you, which we're both in this, you know, medical community, yeah. which is very evidence-based. If we didn't have studies, you know, we could be talking to doctors and clinicians about these products, right? Because their patient's reputation is on the line. So yeah, it's a very cool field to be in. And it's a lot of, um, I, I love silencing the noise, all the, all the rumors and all the hearsay and all the, you know, the bro talk out there, you know? And then luckily in the last decade, gut health has kind of come to the forefront. I remember when I was, uh, I was in medic training in the army and probiotics had just kind of like come on to the stage. Mm -hmm. So we're talking 2002, 2003. And I remember asking a question about probiotics and the instructor was like, I don't even know anything about that, right? So the idea of managing gut health to uh, reinforce the entire body was still very, very new. But one of the first things that I noticed as, as a non-commissioned officer in the army was that many of the problems that my soldiers had were all digestive health related. And I was like, well, if we can just shore this up, we can fix this that we can get these soldiers back out in the field. You know, they can do their job better. We'll have less sick days. And that was kind of really the catalyst um, for starting to really look into gut health. And then honestly, not getting the job that I wanted right after nursing school, right? Come out of nursing school. It's like, I'm getting drafted by the, the world draft. You know, I I'm going to get a job in the ER. No, sir. Straight to overall med surge, lots of GI. And at that point, it was just thrust in front of me. And I was like, well, wait a minute this is a stroke patient that's got all these GI problems. And then two door, two, two other doors down, this is a, a motor vehicle accident. And now I've got all these GI problems. And I just kept connecting the dots. I'm like, well, if we can fix these digestive health problems, we can probably get these people out of the hospital faster where all the bugs are, right? And get them healthy. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I love how passionate you are. Quick, we're going to get into the questions here in a second, but 
for everyone wondering, what is that picture behind you? And what does that mean? You mentioned Rocky earlier from when your childhood, was there a similar uh, uh, epiphany there when you named Rocky back there? <laughs> so actually, so this is a poster um, for when we published kind of our first marketing piece after our first major IBS trial. In that trial, we saw uh, reduction of, you know, between 30 and 40% in traditional GI symptoms like bloating, diarrhea, flatulence, stuff like that, right? But it wasn't cool. It wasn't fun. And I said, what if we had a mascot? Yes. Right? Yes. And so this is Rodney. 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 I'm sorry. Not Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> That's Rodney. He's a gram negative rod. So gram negative bacteria. Uh, serum bovine immunoglobulin binds, neutralizes, and removes lots of, uh, you know, different species of gram negative, gram positive bacteria. And um, whenever we were doing some pediatric work, I would actually get one of my assistants to wear this little Rodney costume and I get the kids to throw hula hoops to demonstrate the binding of the bad bacteria and removing it from the GI tract so that they could get better. Visuals make so much sense for everybody, right? 80% people are visual learners. So if you can give a doctor, a patient, a visual, they're going to understand it better. And uh, they're not just going to nod their head and say, oh, yeah, I know. But they'll actually take, take that message home with them. Absolutely. Dr. Fred, I can't tell you how many times I had a patient uh, doctor leaves the room, then the patient looks at me as the nurse and goes, hey, what did they say? Right. It's my job to kind of like interpret and make things simple and understandable for every population from two to a hundred, right? And make it understandable so they'll be consistent and compliant with their treatment regimen and get better. Exactly. Yeah. They did a survey uh, not too long ago and actually like we're looking at what makes a good doctor's visit. Well, one is having a great staff. Uh, another thing was just having a doctor who cares, but also who can make things simple and who also gave them handouts to take home with so they could actually read about it later on. So yeah, makes great sense. So, so Brian, what got you, um, no, we already talked about that. What, what makes gut health so important? And let's keep it simple for everyone listening. Uh, it's the start of everything. Socrates said all disease begins in the gut. That may be true, but I believe that all life begins in the gut. And if you've got an inflamed gut, if your gut lining is sclerotic and allowing antigens and bacteria just to flow through, causing that inflammatory cascade, you're just not going to feel great. You're going to be bloated. You have diarrhea, maybe constipation. And I mean, that's going to keep you from living your best life. So 80% of the immune system is in the gut and everything starts there. So why don't we start there with health? Right. Yeah. I think that's why we're having a huge surge in functional integrative offices, you know, around the country that are all, you know, that one of the main focuses is let's treat the gut first and then everything else kind of seems to get better if we do that. Right. So you see classically trained, uh, you know, MDs and DOs kind of coming back to that frame of thought. And you're right. The boom of naturopathic doctors and chiropractics and wellness centers is all over the place. As a classically trained nurse, I would never have thought to see that kind of nutritional boom in the United States like we're seeing right now. It's awesome to see. I, I love to see how people are looking over to other alternatives um, that have tons of studies and tons of data behind them to actually help internal health, cellular health, et cetera. Um, so let's talk about what immunoglobulins are, how Intera Health started manufacturing immunoglobulins, and was that the first product that Intera uh, Health started with initially? Uh, so, yes, that is the first product that Intera Health started with. Um, where immunoglobulin started, so obviously immunoglobulins have been around forever. I mean, because of the immunoglobulins that you receive through breastfeeding when you're a baby, that actually kickstarts your microbiome. 
immunoglobulins themselves are kind of like the safety sentinels of your body, right? They're still team six. Their whole job is to protect you from bad bacteria, right? Unfortunately, it's 2021 and we're all postmodern and ironic and our immune systems just, you know, we're not out in the muck, right? Developing immunity to lots of things right now. So that's why supplementing with a robust serum IgG is so important these days. Right. So what if you were born C-section, um, your mother couldn't breastfeed, you had to stay, you know, inside isolated. I mean, your microbiome is not going to be the same as someone else who was the opposite of those things. You're just not going to develop the acquired immunity that someone else that's the opposite from that would. And so that's why, you know, supplementing with a serum IgG is super important. Um, the genesis of oral IgGs actually started in, um, uh, in pet food. And then in our food supply before actually moving to human trials in the late eighties. Okay. So post-World War II, right? We've got the baby boomers, right? We got this booming population. Well, we got to feed them, right? So at the time, uh, about 50%, we'll use pigs as an example, because we're here in Iowa and we manufacture, we've got more pigs than anywhere else. Um, You know, about 50% of the litters would be lost due to, um, they would get sick, you know, endotoxemia, they get parasites, lots of stuff like that. And at the time we were using a product called spray dried plasma and one of the other companies under the LGI umbrella, which is a, owns Interior Health, uh, that was in pet food. And okay. it says, well, we took that spray dried plasma that we're utilizing in pet food to hold water in that it was super high in IgG content. We took it to Iowa state and said, well, let's do another trial. And they said, well, we don't have dogs, but we've got pigs. And we started utilizing on pigs. That mortality rate plummeted. So we went from litter to losing maybe one to 3%. That's amazing. Absolutely. So we were able to feed the population. From there, we said, well, this works great in our food population. Why not start experimenting, utilizing it with human beings? The GI tract of a pig is almost identical to that of a human. So in, in 1987, early 90s, they started trials there in humans and then, you know, came off of it a little bit. And then in the early 2000s, kind of kick-started it back again when we started seeing that gut health was going to be on the rise and that we needed to have something new, something that was safe, something that was worked in natural to help, uh, to help, excuse me, to help bring up these people's digestive health product, uh, their immune system and get them better. Yeah. So they, so that's, that's awesome. I love that history. So they've been using, you know, immunoglobulin therapy forever in IVs and, you know, injections, but not really in the oral form. Nope, we right. Is that because of absorption? They weren't able to extract it correctly to, you know, make that happen. What does the extraction process look like? And how do you get these immunoglobulins, you know, to begin with, you know, if you're not getting it from colostrum? Uh, great question. So we partner with the USDA Prime Beef Society, and we actually um, we actually collect the plasma and serum. From there, it's uh, it's, uh, it's moved to one of our manufacturing facilities where it goes through a centrifuge, where we pull off all the lipids and all the all the free radicals and the things that we don't want, so that we can concentrate the IgG all the way down, turn it into a powder, so that it's consumable. Right. And is, and is it fair to say that some, and we always have immunoglobulins in our blood, you know, to help, you know, identify and create antibodies, 
but some people have less than others, right? Depending on what they're exposed to. You know, you got your innate and then your acquired immune system. And depending on the type of lifestyle that you live, you may not have come in contact with enough bacteria or pathogen to develop, to develop antibodies to those things. Well, the most robust immune system in the, in, in the animal kingdom is the cow. They've got four stomachs. 80% of your GI of your immune system is in your stomach. They live outside and come in contact with all this bacteria. Well, we're, all we're doing is translocating their acquired immune system to humans. And the results have been absolutely fantastic. I agree. And I've seen, you know, clinical results be outstanding, anecdotal, but also clinical studies. Fantastic. And one thing I wanted to ask is I, I get asked this sometimes is mammals have a great, you know, cross, cross immunity. You know, you can take those immunoglobulins from, from bovine and apply it to humans, but you can't do that as well from other sources and maybe bird avian derived, uh, not as maybe you can, we don't have enough studies. What are your thoughts on the different other sourcing like bird or avian? Like I think a, it's IGY 26. Heard of that one? A little bit of work there. We've got, we've used uh, spray, spray dried porcine plasma. Um, we haven't dealt too much on the avian side because our R and D team doesn't really, it, the, the, the way that they pull it out, the way that they centrifuge it down, it just it just doesn't translocate very well. Okay, so it's not as easy as what we're already doing with the bovine. Got it. Yeah. Got it, it, it. It'll probably take another ten years before we really, really see uh, an avian IgG product that we can truly, truly use and be happy with. Yes. Yeah, so, so now I want to talk about some of the most important stuff with immunoglobulins. Let's talk about their mechanism of action. I'm going to try to help you with a, a screen share. Okay, thanks. And I'm going to pull up this one right there. Let me know if you can see it. Is that good? That's it right there. Okay, so for anyone listening on the podcast, um, if you want to see this picture, just go ahead and go to our YouTube channel, Dr. Robert Fredrickson, and you'll be able to find it there. And Brian, if you want to switch slides, let me know. So Brian, um, explain to us what's happening when you are taking an oral immunoglobulin. So first off, uh, an oral IgG works one way. It has one thing that it does. It finds antigens, different pathogenic bacteria, uh, fungi, things like that, binds, neutralizes, and removes it from the GI tract. It's a key lock mechanism. That's the only thing that it does. So what you're looking at right here is a cross-sectional layer of the epithelial lining in the gut. On the top left, you'll see these little Y-looking pieces. That is the IgG particle. It's going to bind onto different uh, inflammatory causing bacteria, neutralize and remove. And when it does, it changes its overall size so that it can't permeate through the damaged epithelium in the gut. Now, because there are less uh, antigens in the lamina propria that usually cause that inflammatory cascade, we can actually allow that gut lining to heal. See, we're coming in contact with different pathogens and fungi all the time that are causing low-grade inflammation that break down little holes in our gut lining that allow that bacteria to flow through and cause that inflammation. By, uh, by binding and removing them before they can cause that inflammation, we can allow the gut lining to heal by natural measures, bring those tight junction proteins in, let those epithelium contract back in so that you've got a nice, healthy gut lining. When that happens, you're going to absorb more water, more nutrients, and more protein, and overall live a much healthier life. Yeah, thank you so much for that explanation. For anyone watching, yeah, you can definitely see on the left here, these gap junctions are wider, and then on the right, they're tighter. And you can actually see those gap junctions being closed with that little circle up top. Um, um, 
So I guess a lot, a lot of people ask us, what, what are these immunoglobulins bind to? Are they selective? Are they broad? Are, you know, can you explain some of the various main components that they bind to on this chart right here? So bovine IgG specifically is very polyclonal, meaning it binds to a lot of different things. Uh, like I said, we're a microbiome focused research company that just happens to sell a product. And so we're constantly doing research to find out more things that it binds to. Uh, if you look at the slide right now, you can see some of the kind of kind of the, the, the greatest hits for exactly what it binds to, specifically uh, lipopolysaccharide, uh, C. diff particles A and B, things like E. coli, uh, salmonella, Klebsiella, uh, a lot of the different bacterial antigens that cause inflammation in the gut, which then leads to diarrhea, bloating, flatulence, and abdominal pain. Uh, one of the big aha moments that I had uh, with this product was in 2013. Uh, and if, if, if any nurses are listening or, or will be listening, uh, they know what C. diff is. You can yes. diagnose that from the nurse's station, you know, 50 blocks down, so to say, because of the way that it smells. But it's also very debilitating to the patient. It costs a lot of money to manage them. And it's just a really, really tough thing to overcome. So the idea that we could utilize a uh, experimental immunoglobulin protein product uh, at the time, like Interrogam, that would actually bind and remove that C. diff particle. I mean, that was music to my ears, right? As a, as a patient care advocate. Wow, that's awesome. Um, let's talk about, I mean, there's so many clinical trials behind this, but would you say mainly it's been clinically indicated the most in IBS and the different, and the different um, variabilities there? IBS, um, uh, co-therapy for your IBD patients, so your Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, um, but really any disease state where the main sign and symptom is diarrhea, bloating, flatulence, you know, abdominal pain, you know, this is going to be a fantastic tool in your tool bag, right? It's safe, it works, and everyone can get it. We've got studies uh, in pediatrics uh, all the way up from six months old, all the way up into geriatric patients in their 90s. That's awesome. And I've, I mean, Brian, I've heard clinical results with doctors, you know, who've had housebound diarrhea patients, you know, 10 plus watery stools a day. I mean, these patients don't want to leave their home. They don't want to do anything for obvious reasons, but just taking, you know, a serum immunoglobulin, uh, two servings twice a day within three or four days. I mean, they're almost back to normal. And they are, I, I tell everyone, like, if you can get a patient better in three or four days with that severe IBS, they're going to be your new best friend. They're going to refer all their friends and family to you um, just for doing that because it's, it's life-changing, right? I mean, as a nurse, you know, I, I would get so frustrated, you know, managing signs and symptoms that I finally had a tool that was going to the underlying cause. And that's why we have so many refractory IBS and, and GI patients is because we're not going to the underlying cause of the problem, which is that pathogenic bacteria that's causing low-grade inflammation and degradation of the, of the gut line. Yeah, and something I always think about is I'm always thinking about like what is causing that because IBS we don't always know what the true mechanism is, but obviously our body's innately trying to flush something out. It's in my opinion, hey, your body is not dumb. It's doing this for a reason. You have an overgrowth or you have a pathogenic bacteria somewhere, and your body's trying to flush, is trying to ionize and get rid of it. And so if you can use immunoglobulins you know, very smartly and uh, selectively and start, you say, Hey, like my body's trying to get rid of it. Let me just give it some support and start binding to these bad bugs, if you will. I mean, it's, it makes so much sense. Right. Um, and here's another trial of all the different studies that Ontario health has acquired. 
and another page. <laughs> you guys got a lot. You get, where, you know, your, your major signs and symptoms are diarrhea, flashlights, blowing, abdominal pain. You know, this is a non-systemic, awesome tool that you can put in your tool bag. I did a lecture uh, two weeks ago for a nutrition class here in Des Moines. And uh, I opened it up. I, I do this sometimes with a really silly question. And the, it goes like this. If you had a rock in your shoe, how much Tylenol would you take to make the pain go away? And of course, they're short coat docs and everything. They're looking at me like I'm the biggest dumb dumb ever. And I was like, well, you just take your shoe off and take the rock out, right? Yeah. Why take Tylenol to mask symptoms or take do anything else that goes after symptoms when you go after the underlying cause, which is that rock, that inflammatory causing pathogenic bacteria, bind and remove that and you can heal. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is I don't think enough people know about this. That's why I love talking about it and getting people like you on to, to shed more light on this. And um, for people who don't understand is I always use the volleyball analogy for how these immunoglobulins work is you're going through your gut lining intraluminally and you're tagging and binding to pathogenic organisms and you're creating a molecule that's so big through steric hindrance alone. If you have a volleyball net and you have a baseball, that baseball is going to go right through, right? But if you make that molecule bigger, like a volleyball through steric hindrance, it's going to bounce back. And that's kind of the analogy I use for, hey, this molecule can't pass through the gut membrane. It can't you know, cause any immune hypersensitivities. It's not going to cross-react to anything else. And it's not going to lead to the pathogenesis of disease. So, you know, that's what I, I love talking about. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. But um, one thing I'm glad I had you on today, because I've always wondered this, and I don't, you probably know better than I do, but... I know that immunoglobulins work with pattern recognition. I know they have two selective patterns, pathogenic associated molecular patterns or PAMPs for short, and then DAMPs or damaged associated molecular patterns. So we know that it can bind to those pathogenic bacteria, which we listed earlier, the outer membrane of LPS, but we also know it can damage to dead proteins or dead bugs. So it's really good as a binder to prevent some of the Herxheimer responses. But how do, how do we know it's not binding to um, the good bugs? How do we, we know it's leaving the commensal organisms behind great question uh, uh you know, we had that same question too like are we just like a big mop just taking everything out because we don't want to just disrupt the you know the good flora and the good bacteria and the microbiome we really only want to target those and just like the acquired immunity that your body already has it doesn't target probiotics or good bacteria anything like that or your flora it targets the bad bacteria we're just translocating that acquired immunity and that polyclonal IgG from the bovine source to a human. And it's very targeted, very specific. So we could use this product for long-term use as well every day. Absolutely. A uh, lady that I treated with this, um, gosh, 2013. So we're, so we're looking at what, eight years uh -huh. she still takes about a gram a day. Now at one time, she was taking 20 grams of IgG per day. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I talked to her probably once a year still. We're buddies. We're, we're Facebook friends. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Y'all are close. Yes. But yeah, she's like, I'm not getting off the IgG at all. Absolutely not. And she was actually a big reason why I work for Interior Health now. Oh, really? Absolutely. So um, I always say I was the second worst nurse in the hospital. The first worst <laughs> will kill you. I was the second worst because I mean, I was good at keeping you alive. It was a skill set of mine, right? But I, I felt like I was a part of the noise. I was just managing symptoms. I wasn't really, I didn't feel like I was moving the ball, really helping people. And then um, we started introducing this 
uh, this experimental immunoglobulin concentrate protein in Terragam to this patient. She was one of my frequent flyers, so to say. And I was, uh, I was in a shift and she was getting ready to check out, right? And she was like, Brian, I'm better. That stuff worked. And I was like, okay, cool. Glad that happened, right? And she gave me the mama grip. You know, the one where they like get up under your arm? Yes. Right? And she said, Brian, I'm going to my grandson's soccer game today. I haven't been to a soccer game, ballet recital. I've been, been to honors day, nothing in years. I feel so good. I'm going to that soccer game. And that was kind of like a, well, hey, wait a minute. This, maybe this is, this is really important. And yeah. I just started digging into the books, calling the company, talking to the reps, everything like that. And I, I said, I got to be a part of this. And I started uh, talking with them about helping them launch the product in Connecticut, uh, which is super, super tough for traditional drug reps. Uh, so they were looking for someone with a little bit of a clinical background. Sure. So there's more GI fellowships in the entire co country in that 95 corridor between DC and Boston than anywhere else in the country. So highly academic, uh, a traditional drug rep might get ate up, but they said, if we hire this nurse who is really passionate about the product and has seen it work in their own patient population, this is probably going to go well. And it, and it did. Yeah. So you were actually giving Interagam, right? Is that it? Was it mm -hmm. Interagam back then, 2013, yes. which led you to seek for a job with Interagam Health. And tell us about wh where you started with Interagam Health and where you are now. I think that's kind of cool too. Uh, so again, I called them. I said, I got to be a part of this. I was actually looking for an opportunity in their training department to help train reps. And uh, two th in 2011, the Sunshine Act hit. So it killed access for a lot of traditional drug reps, right? And so drug companies started looking to hire nurses and PAs and nutritionists and stuff like that. And because they speak the language, they can get access and spend less time in doctor's offices and stuff like that and still give them what they need. Um, then they started saying, well, would you be interested in, in on the sales side? And I said, well, absolutely. I thought I was interviewing for a position in Atlanta. And then they said, we want to move you to Hartford, Connecticut. What do you think about that? <laughs> I looked at my girlfriend, who's now my wife and mother of two, you know, mother of both my children. And I said, baby, let's do it. This is real. And we packed up in a U-Haul, drove 18 hours to Hartford, Connecticut, didn't know anyone and started our life there. From there, uh, took that territory from uh, number 32 all the way to number one, had that product on formulary at every major hospital there, uh, had speakers uh, that, uh, that you know, worked with us from Yale and Will Cornell and everything like that. Uh, from there, I got promoted to the West Regional Manager. I managed uh, the entire West Coast sales team uh, out of Dallas, Texas. And then in 2017, they, uh, they promoted me to the Director of Business Development brought me to the home office right south, right outside of Des Moines, Iowa, and said, we've done a great job with Interrogam. We've been given the ability by the FDA to reduce a clinical efficacious dosage of, of Interrogam down to a one or two gram supplemental dose. And we want you to launch it into dietary supplements and nutraceuticals. And okay. I was like, why have we waited so long to do this? Right? The product right. is safe, efficacious, it works. And for every patient that's had 10 years of IBS running to the bathroom 10 times a day, there are regular people walking around America right now with inflamed guts that don't go to their kids' soccer practices, don't leave the house because they're afraid of where they're going to find a bathroom. I said, we can hit that population. 
Yes. And from there, started working on with different companies, uh, specifically orthomolecular products, mm-hmm. which you're familiar with, uh, Microbiome Labs, and a couple of other different companies to help launch a new experimental immunoglobulin protein product. So awesome. Yeah, I was so fortunate to uh, be a part of that launch when it came into the you know nutraceutical industry, you know, 2018. So it's one of the first products I learned and dove, dove into the research, you know, big time. And I, t- I pretty much take it every day. Yes, especially only when I run out is I when I don't take it, right? So, yeah. Everyone should take it. My kids take it. My dog, I, I mean, my dog takes it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I took two scoops this morning. So two scoops this morning in my uh, post-workout shake, protein shake, which I want to talk to you in a second. But before I do, I want to go over two other questions. You already kind of mentioned some of the aha moments you had with working in doctor's clinicians when discussing immunoglobulins. Was there any other clinical patient types besides gut health that you had an aha moment for using serum-based immunoglobulins with? Um, so obviously anything with a traditional gut health problem. Sure. Um, but I had a, um, I had a psychiatrist, a psychologist reach out to me to talk to me about the gut brain access. Ah, okay. Utilizing um, interrogam experimentally with a lot of his ADHD and his anxiety patients. And of course, you know, being a prudent nurse, I said, well, do they have diarrhea? Do, are they complaining of abdominal pain or, you know, something like that? And he goes, no, but, and this is before gut brain access got huge, right? So this is like 2014. And he said, Brian, I did an in-house trial where I had some of my lactose intolerant patients, one specifically that if he would eat ice cream, it would cause like acute onset ADHD. And he had another subset of traditional ADHD patients. And he started giving them serum bovine immunoglobulin, and the results were fantastic. It, they were, it was, he said, one of them called it a study drug, right? And so, of course, I had to be like, well, well it's not a study drug. It's a, it's a gut focused immunoglobulin. And so, the gut brain access and not just gut health and other body parts is what really, really got me interested in using this outside of just diarrhea, bloating, and flashlights. So not just uh, utilizing this product for, for gut health, but also for immune health, also for active and sports nutrition, as well as brain health. Yes, yes. I love that. So a lot of people don't connect gut health to brain health. They, we used to think that the blood-brain barrier was the most tightly you know, regulated system in what it is, uh, but it was more tightly regulated than anything else and nothing could penetrate it. But can you talk about the impact of maybe LPS getting into the brain from the gut and how that connection is being more studied uh, more and more today. So the gut and the brain are like, like two dancers on dancing with the stars, right? One's leading and one's following, but they change all the time. A good example of that is like, for instance, if your brain says I'm hungry, your GI tract starts to uh, starts to develop juices and things like that to help break down foods. Right. So obviously they talk. But obviously, but also if there's a high level of gut inflammation, that also leads to fogginess and disorientedness and anxiety for many, many patients. So if the gut is inflamed, there are, uh, are downstream effects that affect the brain as well. One is leading, one's following. So if the gut is healthy, the brain is, if the gut is leading, the brain is doing absolutely fantastic. If the gut is inflamed, the brain at that point is a little groggy. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I've read some studies with LPS being a clinical indicator in, you know, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, et cetera. Um, 
and it's got to get there somewhere, and it comes from the gut. Yeah, so the surface on this. I know. We'll talk about, and, and you probably looked at more studies than I have, but the gut-brain access is so important, especially for our geriatric population. Like I said, in that early set, uh, early onset Alzheimer's, traditional Alzheimer's, and overall brain health for our, for our older population. Right, and you think about your antibodies. I mean, eventually, when you get older, you're probably going to lose some of that acquired and the innate immunity to some degree, and the ability to recognize and target, you know, a specific pathogenic organisms. So, maybe supplementing makes it well. Keeping your gut health, keeping your gut healthy is key, of course. But I think immunoglobulins play a significant piece in that puzzle. Absolutely, and that's actually a, it's a bullet point on a slide for my R and D team. I'll say I want an Alzheimer's study utilizing serum bovine immunoglobulin. It's on my wish list. Yes. So let, let's talk about, um, let's talk about something else because maybe someone listening isn't in a chronic state of inflammation. Well, I think a lot of people are that they don't realize, but a lot of people are just looking to maintain an active, healthy lifestyle and sports performance nutrition, for instance, is a huge, huge market. And there's all kinds of just crazy crap out there with no studies, with fillers, proprietary blends, you don't even know what you're taking, but immunoglobulins, from what I've seen, some of the studies I've read make a ton of sense because a lot of athletes don't realize that high intensity exercise, running marathons, high, end high endurance activities, even CrossFit, for example, can produce a leakiness or a permeability issue of the gut. So if you have any pathogenic bacteria, they're coming straight into that gut after that workout. And there, and you think about these healthy people like doing triathlons and you hear about it sometimes is, Hey, this person passed out. They, they died. They had a heart attack. They had a stroke. Um, they had sepsis and they're like, what's going on here? Well, it's, we know it's permeability issues. And if some of these bacteria, we also saw that some sepsis containing bacteria are indicated, which is what SBI protect or immunoglobulins bind to. So let's talk about sports performance and the impact that, immunoglobulins can have on athletes health yeah, great topic and this was an area that was unstudied unthought of until i started working with Intera health and a lot of it was because i was taking it myself i'm 38 years old i still play high level men's club rugby for the des moines rugby club the majority of the players are between 21 and 30 and they're constantly like how is this old guy running, <laughs> you know, running wind sprints and stuff uh, you know and it's because i recover optimally Right? It's not about what you take in, it's about what you absorb. And if you've got low-grade inflammation or an inflamed sclerotic GI tract, you're losing half your gains in your performance in the toilet. Right. Mm. So by, by binding, neutralizing, and removing those bacterial antigens, shoring up the gut, you create a utopia for water, protein, and nutrient absorption, which then helps you recover faster. For those athletes that I work with right now uh, that are utilizing the product, they always tell me, you know, Brian, it's the silent gym passenger partner. <laughs> my gut feels great. I feel awesome. But about three, four weeks in, I start hitting PRs. I start, you know, I've got a set that would, I would normally stop at six. I got a little left in the tank. And that's how you break through plateaus. And it's, a lot of people just don't realize, just like hydration. So many people are walking around dehydrated and have no idea. It's the same thing with gut permeability. We've all got low-grade inflammation. We're losing all of our gains and our recovery in the toilet. And this will allow the gut to shore up, increase water protein utilization so that you can be the best person you want to be. So basically, I'm trying to simplify all of this. If your gut is so inflamed and you're taking a 
we'll just say a whey protein shake. And that whey protein shake has branched amino acids along with all the essential amino acids and all the, you know, not essential. Well, you're only going to get some absorption of those because some inflammation is going to maybe keep the integrity open too much. Some are going to slip through. Some are going to keep going through the intestines through peristalsis. Whereas if you had a uninflamed gut and you had proper selective barriers, those amino acids would get absorbed how they're supposed to. Absolutely. 100%. So, and so, wow. So a lot of people just want to do more and more protein when they should maybe be looking at how that protein is absorbed. Absolutely. Protein utilization. Otherwise you, you take that protein shake and just dump it in the toilet because that's where it's going to end up anyways. Yeah. That's, that's, and reduce yeah. bacterial inflammation and you will grow and you will recover. Yeah. I mean, we're, cause we're exposed to bacterial, you know, to, to bacteria every single day, but some are, some are bad, some are good. And how do your body recognize these antibodies? Well, you give us some pork. And so by giving a, a you know, an oral you know, immunoglobulin, will you do hinder your body's natural innate immunity? No, absolutely. Not. Yeah. I, I knew the answer. I just wanted you to say it for us. Um, <laughs> um, so it's not one of those things where, um, where if you take in the product, your body will stop producing it yourself. No. Right. Yeah. yeah. No negative feedback loop. Yeah. The more robust, more polyclonal immunoglobulin. Yes. Yes. I love it. And I actually did an experiment one time uh, during the pandemic last year. There was this crazy Peloton worker that had all these like professional athletes, NFL, NBA, you know, and they were doing a Peloton workout and you got to compete with them against them. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to see who I can beat. And um, I did beat Kyle Rudolph, the tight end for the Vikings. Nice. So I'm talking, I was going all out on this Peloton for like an hour long workout, like going all out, redlining, you know, my, I didn't have my heart rate monitor, but I'm sure it was up way over 200. And I was dead, Brian. Like I was so beat and I felt sick. I started feeling sick after. And I was like, you know what? I bet I got some toxin overload happening. So I, I had my wife go make me up a little shake. It was um, five grams serum immunoglobulins with a, a mitochondrial a multivitamin blend. I took that drink, chugged it. Within 20, 30 minutes, I was feeling better. But I know my body. If I know if I do a workout like that and I feel that sick, it's usually going to be two to three hours, you know, where I have to just lay down. Literally felt better, started playing with the kids. And I really attribute it to the serum immunoglobulins. Got to recover. Um, anecdotally, where I hear a lot of athletes tell me they see the big benefit uh, and even, you know, regular dads, regular guys, right. Is, you know, they go to the gym Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, by Thursday, they're like, I I'm done. Right. I had multiple of them tell me, Oh, I'm going to the gym on Thursday. Sometimes I'm catching a Saturday workout now because they're actually recovering because they're actually absorbing all the water, the protein, and the nutrients that they're taking. in. Yeah. Makes so much sense. So much sense. Okay. So we talked about sports performance. We talked about the gut brain axis. What are some of the newest clinical studies that you and Interior Health are conducting currently that you're the most excited about? That I'm most excited about, you know, obviously anything that it's in general gut health, IBS stuff, you know, I'm super excited about, but we're starting to branch out to much more complex things. Um, the first of them being uh, viral implications and viral binding utilizing serum bovine immunoglobulin. Um, the first, uh, you know, our first junction into that was a trial going on right now in Barcelona, Spain, to see if we can actually bind on to SARS-CoV-2, right? 
the bacteria that causes COVID-19 infection. And what kind of brought us to that is anecdotally, we were getting reports from GI doctors that were saying, hey, I'm adding Interrogam or I'm adding SBI Protect to my patients that are COVID-19 positive just to help manage their GI tract. Do you think that this can help with the actual viral infection? And of course, we didn't have the answer to that, but we wanted to look into it. And that's kind of where we started on that path. We know that SARS-CoV-2 begins uh, droplet through the respiratory tract and is from there spread uh, through our mucosal system into the gut. And so when we, when we get there, if we can actually attack and bind and remove it from there, we can reduce uh, all of the poor symptoms that happen with COVID-19 and also maybe curb the progression of that as well. Ryan, this is super exciting because I remember last year it was, it was just so much research was going into vitamin D. And of course we know the clinical studies and implications of having low vitamin D, but also just the fact that if you have a poor blood sugar dysregulation and you got COVID, what the outcomes were, they were drastically worse. But are you guys even allowed to share this research because it's not done? Because I, I, I want to scroll down here a little bit and I want you to kind of talk about Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We can show it's preliminary. Okay, great, great. Trials ongoing. Uh, Just like anything else, it starts in a Petri dish and goes from there. Uh, We're taking the acquired immune system of bovine source who who has come in contact with coronavirus, who has immunity against coronavirus. It says, well, if we know that the IgG from bovine source is resistant to coronavirus, then maybe it can also be resistant and bind and neutralize that uh, in, in humans as well. That's amazing. So j- yeah, just going over some of these graphs here, it's, you know, it's showing that it's um, SPR protect or immunoglobulin, serum based immunoglobulins are binding to some of these receptors for mm-hmm. SARS-CoV-2. Absolutely. So it's helping. Is you're seeing the breakdown of the different immunoglobulins. And the reason why we concentrate, so there's three different immunoglobulins that comprise uh, serum bovine IG, uh, immunoglobulin, IgG, um, uh, IgA, and IgM. Uh, the product is, is roughly about 55 to 65% IgG, uh, 1% IgA, and then 5% IgM. Uh, we, we looked to, to, uh, to concentrate the IgG because it's the largest, most polyclonal immunoglobulin available, right? And as you look on the diagram here, you're seeing high-level binding of the IgG um, to the SARS-CoV receptor binding domain. By binding to that, by binding to the angiotensin enzyme 2, um, we can, it makes it necessary for the fusion of the viral envelope with the host cell membrane to deliver viral RNA. So we're disrupting that whole process by binding there. And that's the whole goal. Uh, obviously, we've been able to, to successfully do this in, uh, in a Petri dish, and we're doing that with humans right now in Barcelona, Spain. Wow, this is so cool. So anyone who's listening on the podcast, I would uh, encourage you just to take a look at this screen share that we're sharing on, on, the, uh, on the YouTube channel. Um, so, Brian, in your opinion, I know you can't tell us directly, but should we be taking SBF Protect uh, right now to decrease our viral load and the potential of a, uh, you know, in case we got coronavirus, or should we be taking it if we got the coronavirus, or should we do a little bit of both? Everyone from two to 200 should be taking SBI Protect or some form of supplementation with oral IgG. 
100%. We're all yeah. walking around with, uh, with low-grade inflammation uh, that's dragging down your life, and it's just become your natural norm. And not just, and th this wasn't just for COVID-19. This is for all viral infections. That's the whole reason why we went down this path is the implementations of binding, neutralizing, and removing lots of different viral, uh, uh, viral entities and remove them from the, uh, from the GI tract uh, so that you can live your best life. This is awesome. And, and something we, we didn't get to talk about yet is, uh, I'm glad we, we're talking about it now, is you said two to 200. So babies, talk about babies using immunoglobulins. And I've used this before on my, on my boys when they've had, you know, severe tummy issues and, you know, severe diarrhea and it's worked wonders. And I also say this for kids with eczema, just get the dose lower. Cause one of the only side effects of doing immunoglobulins is some mild constipation. But if you think about it, it's actually not even a, it's not even a side effect. It's a benefit for all these, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. So the constipation is actually just perceived constipation. Sure. Because as the product is working and it's binding uh, up that bacterial load, it takes a little time to move it through the GI tract. And so that's when a lot of patients will say, I feel a little constipated or a little bloated. The product is working, take water, ambulate, and you'll be relieved in a few days. I love that analogy because I always tell them the same thing. Like, hey, it's working. It's doing its job. It's binding to them. Drink lots of water, walk around, ambulate, like you said, you know, get motion through there, get everything moving, get that natural, you know, migrating motor complexes in the large intestine, that peristaltic, peristaltic activity start flowing, take some artichoke or ginger if you need it. But yeah, that's some great advice. So two to 200. So kids, uh, kids can take it obviously in a lesser dose than adults. Um, any other thoughts there on the, uh, we recommend the taking it at about a 50% dose. So if for a supplemental dose is usually one to two grams a day, a clinical efficacious dose is between five and 10 grams for most of your kids. They can take, you know, between one and two grams a day, uh, split up between meals. We don't want you to do anything that's outside of your normal routine. So we always say, take it with a meal because people are more compliant. Also, you know, we're putting our hands in our mouth and we're touching things and stuff like that. And that's when we come in contact with the most uh, LPS and different antigens and stuff like that. So that's kind of the most opportune time to take it. Um, we've got probably about six or seven pediatric trials um, and everything from traditional IBS to, um, uh, to malnutrition and, you know, you know, lots of things like that. As you know, in many other different countries, you know, they, they don't have access to healthcare to, you know, to GI based foods or something like that. And, you know, to give them something to boost their immune system, reduce their diarrhea is going to be hugely beneficial. So awesome. And, and I've seen this time and time again with my own kids, just giving them just a little bit of, you know, serum based immunoglobulins in the bottle with a little bit, maybe a little Saccharomyces boulardii and some probiotics. They are better in no time. I actually did it today because my little son's got a little tummy bug. So, man, and, and way to way to utilize the, the the probiotics as well. They're they're like the one-two punch. You know, the probiotics are gonna feed good bacteria, while the uh, the IgG is gonna act on that bad bacteria. Yes. How many? How much? Um, or, or how often do you take immunoglobulins? Do you take it every day, Brian? Every day. Yeah. Do you take it with uh, with the meal? Do you take it at with the protein shake after your workout? How do you dose it? Uh, so I work, I'm a morning guy, you know, Tristan from the military. So I take it in a shake post-workout and then I take another dose with dinner. So I take in about five to eight grams a day. Five to eight grams daily. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. All right, Brian, this has been a amazing show with immunoglobulins. We'll probably have to get you on again because we're probably going to get a ton of questions, exactly. but just, but just from your nutritional and health perspective, 
you've seen a lot of different things. You've got a lot of different backgrounds. If you could put one or two health sentences on a billboard for everyone to see on the busy street in Iowa or the busy street, wherever you wanted it to be, uh, what would you say and why? Uh, the first one is healthy gut, happy life. Whether you've got anxiety, whether you've got diarrhea, whether you've, you've got muscle soreness, everything starts in the gut. Short the gut and you'll live your best life. 100%. The second thing, honestly, okay. chew the food. Chew yes. Food. We don't chew our food in this country. I don't know why. We're, we're, well, I know why. We're moving, we're moving fast. We're goal-oriented. We're trying to get to the next job or get to our kids or, you know, we're trying to be efficient and we just wolf down our food. If we, if we, if we utilize our, the tools that God gave us to break our food down, then, you know, you'll probably have a lot less constipation, a lot less bloat. Yes. Yes. Chew your food. I'm, I, I'm so guilty of that too. I have to like consciously think about it every time, like go slow, go slow. Mosh like, are you done or really? I know that's <laughs> can't help it. Great advice. If I had a billboard, I would actually remember to do it more, Brian. So yeah. get that billboard up, please. All right. If you could take one health-related device, supplement, anything health-related on a desert island with you, what would that be and why? That's a, that's really tough. So on a deserted island. So, I mean, you need water more than anything. So some form of water filtration system would be the first thing. The second thing would be IgG. Nice. I knew you were going to say that. So much bacteria, so many pathogens. And I know that sounds like a, like a silly sale, but um, you've got to protect yourself. Rid yourself of that bacteria, but also any, any part of SBI that's not, uh, that's not acting directly on bacteria or pathogens just gets broken down into, into branched-chain amino acids and absorbed as protein. So it's also a great protein source because it's an isolate. It's 92% protein. Oh, wow. So that's... Give me some more, more, more gains. One, one of the products that I'm working on right now uh, is a, uh, with a product called Gene Pro. It's the only FODMAP certified protein on the market right now. It's micronized. It's utilized uh, initially for post-bariatric surgery. And what we're going to do is we're going to take that protein and we're going to add IgG to it. Wow. Be a fantastic protein source that's micronized and easy to, um, that's uh, easy to absorb, but it's also going to be really, really nice on the GI tract and, uh, and boost that patient's uh, immune system, as well as rid their body of bacteria. That's awesome. Can't wait to learn more about that one. Very cool. Another thing I forgot to, to mention, Brian, is I've, I've always been wondering this question too, is do we ever, I mean, do we ever get immunoglobins in our food? Like do we, if we were eating just a whey protein shake, would there be like a minuscule amount in there already? Very, very small amount, uh, especially if you're using like a milk or something like that, you're going to get a, a tiny bit uh, of immune globulins in there. Uh, not quite as much as you would get from a serum product, obviously. Obviously. And I do know that one five gram serving of, um, of uh, serum bovine immune globulin has as much uh, IgG in it as eating 20 rare steaks. So seriously. You, yeah. <laughs> you can get the same amount of IgG in your food, but you got to eat 20 rare steaks to do it. I wouldn't recommend that. 20 okay that's not even fathomable right yeah. <laughs> golly 20 20 rare steaks or five grams of serum based immunoglobulins Absolutely. i know what i'm going to pick because those 20 steaks are gonna be super expensive okay the digestive enzymes your body would have to produce to break that down would be just insane crazy crazy i couldn't do that there's no way 
All right, Brian, this has been an amazing interview. If we could have reversed roles and you could have been, you know, asking the questions, was, was there any questions that I missed that you would like to cover that we didn't cover today? Um, about IgG and about the microbiome? Sure, or anything to, to, to that extent. Um, not necessarily a question, but an interest of mine, and that is the other microbiomes. We're just scratching the surface on the GI tract microbiome, but we have a microbiome in our mouth for our female population. They're, 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 uh, their vagina has a, its own microbiome. Mm -hmm. And what, are the, what is the future in bacteria and ridding the body of pathogenic and uh, inflammatory bacteria to continue living that, that healthy life? That would be one thing. And the other thing would be pain. Right, we know that the gut-brain access is so important. What are the future implications of gut health on pain? And you know, as you know, you know, being being a chiropractor and seeing patients and stuff like that is, you know, how do we get away from the opiates and start looking at, at alternative sources to reduce pain and things like that? Two great topics. Yeah, thank you for mentioning those. Yeah, chronic pain is definitely indicated with gut health. A lot of the chronic pain patients are on opioids, who I actually read a study this morning that showed that opiate use is associated with SIBO or intestinal bacterial overgrowth, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're having chronic pain on opioids, well, you might just be blocking a symptom. And if you could find out the root cause and some, find some ways to mitigate some of this low-grade inflammation, you could probably make some great impacts on your health. So yeah, thank you for talking about the different microbiomes, not just the gut. We always think about the gut, but there's all these different microbiomes that we have in our bodies. Thank you, Brian. Brian, um, this has been an amazing, amazing show, and I, and I appreciate you coming on today. And um, for anyone who doesn't know where to find Brian, where can they find you online? Where can they follow your work, your the things that you post, the studies that from Interior Health, et cetera? Uh, best place to look is, uh, is www.interiorhealth.com. And then for me, um, most of the clinical stuff that I post or talk about or whatnot is you can best find either on our website or really mostly on LinkedIn. Yep. That's, that's one of your best places. Uh, to me, that's been one of the friendliest uh, kind of avenues for releasing new information and stuff like that. I need to do a better job of getting on Twitter. I have a Twitter handle uh, called the, the SBI guys that I usually uh, update when I'm at shows and things like that. Obviously with the pandemic, I haven't done a good job with that, but this is a good, this is a, a good opportunity to start updating that more often. There you go. The SBI guys on Twitter. Guys, I follow Brian on, a, on LinkedIn. He posts a lot of good information, a lot of good studies. That's where I first learned about this preliminary trial on immunoglobulins with COVID-19 or the C-19 virus. So follow him there. Follow Intera Health. Look them up. They're always posting great studies. Um, Intera Health is a premier source of medical foods, but also evidence-based nutritional supplements. And Brian, this has been eye-opening. I hope it, someone listening today is going to find find this talk, find a provider who's providing the supplement to them so they can actually get better gut health and live a better life. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on today and hope you have a great weekend. I definitely want to talk to you again soon. Thanks, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, for everyone listening, healthy gut, happy life. And chew your food. <laughs> and chew. Thanks for listening to the Fredrickson Health Show. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a rating and review. Follow us on social media and subscribe to our email newsletter for more information.